God. And it's, it's just something when you can have, you know, someone, you know, or people in your life that can be an influential personnel. You know, you, you always want to have someone that can encourage you, someone that will guide you, and someone will direct you in the word of God and in the way that you should go. Amen. Because, you know, if we don't have, you know, um, the, our leaders that are in our life, you know, we're not going to be able to, um, you know, hear the words of God, and we're not going to be able to do the things of God and the way God wants us to be. Uh, directed. So we ask you to just continue to serve the Lord continually with all your hearts and with all your minds. Amen. Everybody said amen. Everybody said amen. Amen. Praise God. It's coming time to our offering. And um, I just want to put it out there, put the words out there. Um, we, you know, we, we're in the process of acquiring our own building. And we, we ask you to, to give sac- sacrificially. Is that the right word? Amen. See, I'm going to get a twist tongue, twist tongue there a little bit there. But, um, you know, we want you to give. So, so see, here, here are the ideas that came up. If we have a thousand people that can give a thousand dollars, I'm always talking about $1.7 million. And if you have $1.7 million and you want to just write a check, we will take it. You will be a part of what's going on. But if we have a thousand people that can give a thousand dollars, now, that's going to put us to a million. So we're going to still short a few bucks. But that's still getting a, a seven. That's going to get us short a seven. But it's, you know what I mean. So, you know, we, 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 we take two million if you want. We get you one give a million and then a thousand give a thousand each. And we have two million. That will get us where we need to go. So we actually be a blessing to what God have. You know, if you want to be a part of what's God doing in this time. You know, I was looking at the 9 a.m. service. And we pretty much was packed out in our 9 a.m. service. And our 1030 service, you can look around and see what's going on. And, you know, our online congregation, I know you want to come out also. But, you know, we want you to give, you know, give unto the Lord. And, you you know, we want to have one service where we can, you know, accommodate everyone, where we have our social distancing, and everyone just praise and magnify and just giving God praise. Plenty of room where you can run around and just praise God. Because, you know, we're, we're not the kind of church that just sit quiet. You know, we're excited with what God is doing in our lives, and we just want to be a part of God's movement, especially in the time that we're living in. Amen? Amen. So we're going to ask you to give generously. We're going to ask you to stand with us at this time. If you can stand with us, we have baskets set up in the back. We have two baskets set up uh, in the front. We ask you, if you need an envelope, just wave your hands. The ushers will be glad to get you a tithe envelope. So we ask you to give, you know, generously this morning into the house of God. Be a blessing into the house of God. Amen. Amen. Pray with us if you can. We're going to ask if you can stand to stand with us at the time as we're praying reverence for the word of God and for as we pray to receive our offering this morning. Father God, we thank you, Lord God, one more time for being in your presence, Lord God. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you for being so good to us, oh God. We thank you for being our shield and our keeper, Lord God. We love you, Lord God. We give you glory and all the honor as we're about to receive this morning's offering. We ask your blessing upon every givers, oh God. We ask you, Lord God, to bless those who have to give, those who have not likewise make a way so they can be a blessing, Lord God. We give you glory. Lord God, we give you all the honor as we worship you in the mighty name of Jesus. We ask you to have your way among us continually as we praise you in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Everybody said amen. Everybody said amen. Amen. Give generously in Jesus' name. Praise God. Hallelujah.
Yes, Lord. 
growing up and we used to pay Jesus. This was all for about 30 minutes. Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. There is none like you. There is none like you, Lord. It's so wonderful. I like what I feel, and I feel what I like. Amen. I'm telling you today, the people of God just let loose and don't care and just do what God has placed in their heart. And just because of your relationship with him, you just let him have his way in your life. I think we're going to help this world get saved. That's how we're going to help the world get saved is when we just become comfortable with who we are as the people that were created in the image of Christ and just let him have his way. However we live our life, we just live it out for Jesus and let people see who Jesus really is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I greet you all in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Turn your Bibles with me or look on the screen or look at your smart device and go to Genesis chapter 3. Amen. Verse number 8, I believe. Hallelujah. We have some guests with us this morning. Amen. Teresa Bennett, where's Teresa? Amen. Teresa, nice to have you. God bless you. 
Amen. Good to have you in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Jazzy, you know the mask, you know, you know the mask kind of, you know, I said, that looks like Jazzy. And then I saw the baby, I said, all right, it's Jazzy. Jazzy, good to see you this morning. Amen. Always looking so pretty. Love you, Jazzy. Good to see you. And Darnell, Darnell, amen. Nice to have you, Darnell. God bless you. Good to have you in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We welcome all of you to Christ Center Church, and we want you to know if there's anything at all that we can ever do for you in your endeavor to follow Jesus Christ. We will do all that we can to assist you because your destiny is in Christ. That's the destiny, to be in Christ. And no matter what we experience in our world, the destiny of every human being is to be in Christ. Amen. I don't know if you've been listening to our Thursday night Bible study, but for the longest I've been in church, I've always known people want to know what is their purpose, what is their purpose, what is their purpose. And um, I've been teaching on our past few Thursdays that your first purpose in life is to know God. That's your first purpose. If you don't know him, then everything else that you're trying to do is watered down and it just won't work the way it needs to because you're trying to do it without knowing who you are and whose you are. And so our first and most priority in our life is to know God. Amen. And so it's so good to have everyone in the house of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Brother Sam in the house without his wife. Yes, sir. I can't wait to give her that piece. You know, I like that kind of stuff. I can't. Don't don't shoot me, ladies, for being biased like that. But when men come in the house of God, I, it's just different. I'm just telling you, I, I, I don't mean to be like that. But somehow we give the women credit that they just always have this way about them to want to know Jesus. And men are kind of hard headed. You know, we don't trust anything, really. We just like always scoping stuff out, trying to lay back and see what's going on. And we don't make too many moves. We're like, eh, I don't know about all that. And so that's how we kind of built, you know. That's why we didn't get deceived anyway. But I'm just saying that's just kind of how, you know, <laughs> that's kind of how we're built to, you know, really pay attention and not make any sudden move. So when a man start making some move to go towards Jesus, it's special, man. It is special. And so I appreciate all the men in the house of the Lord this morning, all the men that are part of our congregation online, big ups, because it's just wonderful when men say, I want to know who I am and I want to know Jesus. And that's just different. And so I thank God for his goodness and mercy and all that he's doing. Amen. Genesis chapter number three. Amen. We had a great service at 9 a.m. Amen. Thank you, praise singers. Uh, there's a scripture that says that whatever we do in word and in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord. And praise singers, this morning, you did it unto the Lord. Amen. You did it unto the Lord. I'm not saying you don't do it unto the Lord every morning. So stop reading into my stuff, dear people. I'm saying you did it unto the Lord, and that helped us all because there's the, 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 the presence of the Lord. Amen. And, and before you go, I want to tell you this. God wants to give every one of us a divine visitation from him individually and collectively before you leave here today god wants to give you a divine visitation with him 
And so that's what he's pulling for this morning because he wants you to experience him, you and him, you and him, you and him. God is so good that while we're here, all of us can experience his presence all at once and all of us can experience his presence individually. That's the kind of God we serve. Amen. And he's still one God. He's not Father, Son, Holy Ghost, three separate co-equal gods. He's one God. And we can experience him individually and collectively because that's the kind of God we serve. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 11, verse number 8 through 11. The word of God says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord and from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Listen, this morning when I read this, I, I thought it was kind of funny. The Lord just dropped in my mind and says, today, robbers and thieves and people that are doing crooked stuff, they're still hiding me in the midst of trees and bushes. Adam and Eve started this. And today, people are still hiding out in bushes and trees. Let's wait, let's wait, let's wait. Don't move yet. Where do you think they got that from? Adam and Eve. Because they were the first one to start hiding amongst trees and bushes, waiting to do something, hiding from God. And so they hid themselves amongst the trees of the garden. Verse 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Adam responded, I heard thy voice in the garden, Lord, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now listen to the Lord's response to Adam. Who told thee that thou was naked? Adam was naked and he didn't know. And the Lord is saying to Adam, the only way you knew you were naked was if someone told you. And the only person could have told you was me. Because I created you, there were no other humans but you and Eve. So if you found out you were naked and I didn't tell you, something went wrong. Here it goes. God is telling them what went wrong. Has thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Question mark. So God says, if you know you're naked... You can only know that if you did wrong, because only way you can know you're naked was that I told you, and I never told you you were naked. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for assembling us one more time. Lord, I pray that there will be a divine visitation with you this morning, that we will have a divine visitation individually and collectively before we leave this place. Father, I pray that every heart will be open. I pray, oh God, that every mind will be stayed on you. And I pray that every life will be open unto you to say, God, have your way. Lord, I pray that you will show up in a mighty way and that you will do what you want to do as we yield and submit and surrender under your authority to say, Jesus, have your way. We pray and ask you these things in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Amen. I want to talk to you on this topic. God desires fellowship. God desires fellowship. You may be seated. Adam and Eve heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, which could mean God's voice was traveling and picking up intensity each time God called out to them. 
Remember when it says that they heard the, the voice of the Lord walking in the cool of the day. Understand this, that voice can't walk. And understand this, at that time, God was not manifested as human yet. He was doing business as spirit. And so when they said they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the cool of the day, it just meant that God was calling unto them, and that call intensified the more God called to them. If you ever notice, a lot of times we've read in Scripture that when God calls someone, for some reason we normally don't respond the first time. When God begin to speak to us a lot of times we don't respond the first time first of all we're caught off guard and so we're wondering what is that and so usually we don't know when God is reaching for us and it takes us a moment before we get to that place well the reason why that normally happens is when sin has been ruling in our life when sin has control in your life and God is trying to talk to you it take a minute for you to catch up to what's going on here mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God wasn't just popping up on Adam and Eve. He's such a gentle God. He's such a good God that he was just speaking, calling out to them as he was entreating them to come into his presence. And so he was just letting them know, I am, I, I am asking you to come my way. And so they were hearing the voice of God, which means God wasn't surprising them. He wasn't trying to pop up on them. He was just making them aware of his presence. He wanted to talk with Adam and Eve, reason as he has done, I'm sure, so many other times. Because before Adam and Eve sinned, I am sure that them and God had great fellowship all the time because it was only those three people that existed. God, Adam, and Eve. So I know they had great fellowship for a long time. And then guess what? Sad situation happened. Sad situation happened. They heard the voice of God calling unto them, and they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. Before they sinned, if they had heard the voice of God coming their way toward them, they would have ran toward the presence of God with joy so they can fellowship with him. But now that they have sinned, God had become a terror to them and, and they had turned, oh, in turn became a terror to themselves and now they were living in confusion. When you're not right with God, when you're not in right relationship with God, the voice of God can become a terror to you and you become a terror to yourself and then you start to live in confusion. I'm going to touch on some things that you might not agree with, but I'm going to tell you they're truth because we see it in the scripture. We see it in the scripture. Sin makes us disillusioned, sin makes us confused and deceived. How can you say that, preacher? I'm not confused. I'm not deceived. I'm not disillusioned. I, I know I may not be doing what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not none of that. Well, Adam and Eve proved that to us. Adam and Eve thought they can hide themselves from the omnipresent God. 
you think about that for a second. The God who is present everywhere at the same time. How can you hide yourself from a God that is present everywhere at the same time? You tell me, how can you do that? Adam, who named all the animals, he had to know a lot of stuff because he had right relationship and great fellowship with God. That's why he was smart enough because he didn't go to Princeton University. He didn't go to Stanford University. He didn't go to Dartmouth or Penn. He went to the school of Almighty God. And so the only way he could be that sharp to name all the animals, which we still call them their names today, he had to hear from God. So the dude was sharp. He was brilliant. But then he got to a place where he's trying to hide himself from a God who's all-knowing and all-seeing. Is that confusion? Is that disillusioned? Is that deception? It certainly is. So whether you like that or not, if you're not right with God, you're going to do the same thing. And let me say this. Don't deceive yourself when somebody tells you to deceive. You're just deceiving yourself more. What do you mean, preacher? So I'm telling you this and you're saying, no, I'm good. I'm not deceived. I know I'm not right. I know I need to get right. I know I need to work on my relationship with God. Yeah, but you ain't doing it. That's deception. Because when you understand who he is and where you are, you say, I don't have time to waste to say I am going to. I just do it right now. Yeah, I know you're quiet. For who God is and where we possibly could be in him or out of him. The bottom line is we shouldn't even be discussing within our mind, reasoning within our mind how we're going to settle down and get right with God. That's already deception. That's already deception. To start to reason within yourself, I got, I got to do this. No, 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 no. That's deception. When you come to understand you're not right with God, all of your actions from that moment on is supposed to be geared towards and focus on doing what Jesus wants you to do and nothing else. Quiet in the church. Brother Brantley is quiet in the church. I hope you say and praise the Lord online. Because I know I can count on Mr. Brantley to say, you go ahead and preach it, Pastor. I need your help right now, Mr. Brantley, because there ain't nobody in here telling me preach it right now. They're all quiet for what I'm saying. But if you will tell me preach it, Brother Brantley, I keep preaching it. Proverbs chapter 15, verse number 3 says this. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Isaiah 29, Isaiah, good to see you this morning. Isaiah 29, verse 15 says, Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord. It says, Woe unto those people that try to do that. And their works in the dark, and they say, Who seeth us, and who knoweth us? God sees everything, and God knows everything. So woe unto us that think we can do things that God is not seeing, and God don't know. Jeremiah chapter 23 Verse 24 says, can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord? 
Church, when you get to the point where you understand who God is, that he's omnipresent, that he's omnipotent, and he's omniscient, he knows all things, he sees all things, and he's present everywhere at the same time. When you understand that, it's no sense of trying to live no other way but to live for him, but to please him, but to serve him, because he's got all things in control. He knows everything. He's all-powerful. He controls everything. I don't have time to play games with him. Not living for God is like fighting somebody that's beating you up every day and you know you won't win the fight. You'll get knocked out sooner or later. Sometimes I got to bring it to you so you can understand it. You know, for those of us that, that know a little street something, you know what I mean, Sam? You know what I mean, boss? We know that there's sometimes, there's just some people we used to call them knockout artists. You know, if you fought, fought certain people in the street, they used to knock everybody out. You can't win the fight. Well, not living for God is like being knocked out all the time and losing every fight. Because sooner or later, you will see you're going to end up lost. You're going to end up someplace where you're just disillusioned and, and life is just miserable. We need to live for God, church. We need to live for God, not just casually doing it, not being religious, but selling out, living for God, because there's nothing better. There's nothing better than living for God. I tell you all all the time. I ain't tell you in a long time, so it's good that I tell you this morning. I am one of the best. I was one of the best at living in the world. One of the best. I say it all the time. I'll put my resume up to any one of you. One of the best. If I want to be a millionaire, I don't want to. I'm going to find somebody that's a millionaire and say, yo, what did you do? If, if, if I wanted to get into a really good college, I'm going to somebody and say, hey, what did you do? If I want to be a professional athlete, I'm going to go and say, yo, what do you do? You want to get saved and live right? You ask this good worldian that used to be the best worldian, ask him what happened, how did it go? Now you can go take your cue from a whole lot of other people. Go ahead. But I just know I live this world. And remember what I told you. I live in three separate entities of this world. I lived in this world as a foreigner, living how foreigners live. I live in this world as a black man, living as a black man, which I am. And I live in this world, hanging around Caucasian because I got a whole lot of Caucasian friends. I tell people all the time, I lived in, I, I, I worked in Princeton for many years because they, remember I was telling y'all last night, because the Italians raised me in Princeton. So I'm well balanced in this world. You can't bring no lifestyle to me that I can't tell you. Oh yeah, I did that. Oh yeah, I did that. I'm not one-sided. I've lived on all the sides. And there's nothing better than you, Jesus. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Mm, 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 mm. Nothing better than Jesus. I don't care what you're doing. It's worth it if it's not for Jesus to stop and say, God, I'm going to give everything to you and sell out to you. Because guess what? I heard from a preacher that lived in the world and he know what he's talking about and he living for you. I'm going to live for you. 
one of the worst things that we can do. I remember my oldest said this to me. And I'm just like, they're not getting it. Jazzy, don't do this. You know, I picked on you because of the ages. And, you know, I got kids your age and all that stuff. So this is what they do, D. I got to learn from my own mistakes. Lying. That's the worst way to learn. Learn from somebody else's mistakes so you don't make the same mistake. They keep saying, just let me live my. That don't make sense. Can you learn from somebody else's mistake so you don't have to go through what they went through? That's not the way you learn by saying, let me do me and whatever happens, uh, I got to go through like you went through. No. I went through hoping that you don't have to go through. We're supposed to get better and better and better, not keep repeating the same things over and over and over. Learn from the people that made the mistakes before you. Don't do the same thing that they did. You getting that, Teresa? I appreciate you getting that. When we continue in sin... We are disillusioned, confused, and deceived. Therefore, we think we can hide from God or hide our actions from God. You can't hide from God and you can't hide your actions from God. Adam and Eve heard the voice of God, as the Bible says, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The voice of God represents God's presence. It means God has given you a divine visitation when you hear the voice of God. The voice of God represents God's power and wisdom. Mm -hmm. It means that there is something there present for you to, 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 to be able to get some insight in. The voice of God represents love because God is love. The voice of God represents man's mortality. Because if you ever get an encounter with God, if you ever come to a place where God is speaking to you, you will realize your mortality like, oh, my goodness, uh, he is everything and I'm nothing. Oh, my goodness, this is something else different from what I've ever experienced. If you ever get a real encounter with God, you're going to see how you feel less than anything and realize he is everything. I said this before, one of the reasons why you will see people have tears coming down their eyes, different reasons, some people have tears coming down their eyes because they know they have sinned against God and blah, 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 blah. But me, I can say for me, and I know for a lot of other people, when you begin to see tears coming down my eyes, you know what it usually means? I'm in the presence of the Almighty God and I realize I am nothing, and he's allowing me to be in his presence, and I'm crying like, like a baby, like, oh, God, you really, really allowing me to come into your presence? You really allowing me to have a relationship with you? And I'm just bawling because I'm just like, God is so awesome. God is so all-consuming. God is so powerful. He is such, he is wisdom, and he is knowledge, and he is everything, and he's allowing me to be in his presence? That's overwhelming, and I just begin getting to cry because I'm like, God, who are you that you allowing me to be in your presence? And that caused us to cry. I know that's for me and that's for some of you. You realize your mortality if you ever get into the presence of God. If you ever hear the voice of God come to you, you realize, oh my goodness, 
You just want to go hide your face. You just want to go sit in the corner and just bawl like a baby because you're just like, this is just too much for me. I can't handle this. God, th- th- this is just amazing of this holy God that is allowing me to have access to him. When you hear the voice of God, it's amazing. To one who sinneth, the voice of God is fearful. If you're continuing in sin, the voice of God is fearful. But to the righteous, the voice of God is wonderful. The sinner fears God. The righteous also fear God. Mm -hmm. The sinner is afraid of God, but the righteous reverence God. Both fear God, but one is afraid and one is reverence. When you hear the voice of God or you feel the presence of God, if you are on the right track, you will reverence Him in worship and praise. But if you're not where you need to be, you're going to be afraid. Mm-hmm. 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 Sin produces shame and guilt and both make sinners want to hide. Listen to me. God doesn't want, to, want us to be afraid of him. He wants us to reverence him and have fellowship with him. That's what God wants. He wants us to have fellowship with him, not to be afraid. Of him. But when sin is in our life, we become afraid of him. As a matter of fact, when sin is in our life, we don't want to hear his word. When sin is in our life, we don't we hope we never hear his voice. Instead of us thinking about, oh my God, God has given me a chance to get it right, we're afraid that God is gonna tell us what he expects of us. Mm-hmm. Adam and Eve felt ashamed because of what they were, which was naked. And they felt guilty because of what they had done, which is disobey God. Guilt, shame, and fear usually go together, which explains why Adam and Eve didn't want to enjoy fellowship with the Lord at that time. So don't get upset with me while I tell you the truth. When we stay away from coming together as the church Worshiping God, hearing the preaching, it's because something in our life is not lining up right with God. As I said this morning, I'm not saying that you committed any murder. I'm not saying that you robbed any banks. I'm not saying you stole no car. I'm not saying you cursed nobody out. I'm not saying any of that. But what I'm saying is sometimes our thinking is not in alignment with God. And that in itself is a problem. So you stay away from God. It's a fact. Adam and Eve sinned against God. Just imagine. Ooh, here's a good one. All Adam and Eve did was what we would call a little sin. Let's stop right there. Because we, we, I think we overlook that all the time. Today, we would call God. All they did was just eat a fruit that you told them not to eat. Isn't that how we think? How we think? They didn't rob a bank, God. They didn't kill nobody. Why, why, why? What's the big deal? 
So let's get off of this whole thing and thinking that sin just means you had to do something really crazy. No, sin just means you're not in alignment with God. You're not living your life according to his word. It's not that you did some big thing that we like to say is big. No, we're just not in right relationship with him. We're not in alignment with his views. Your view can be distorted, which means you won't be in right alignment with God. What does that mean, preacher? Let me give you another example. God says, we must love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and love our neighbor as ourselves. So sometimes the problem with us is we're just not loving our neighbor. Again, don't think big stuff as we like to grade them because there's nothing big and little with God when it comes down to sin. So don't think like that. Sometimes the reason why we're off and we don't want to come into right relationship with God and don't want to fellowship with God and don't want to come to church and worship and assemble together and praise and hear the preaching is because we just had the wrong views that God expected us to have the right views that God wanted us to have. We don't have them. And one of the views are just loving people. When you see people, do you see their faults or do you just love them? You don't got to answer that. When they do stuff that agitate you, irritate you. Do you, do, do you see them as they get on my nerves and I can't stand them or do you still love them? Because those are the simple things that get us tripped up a lot of times while we're saying, nah, I'm good today. I don't think I'm going to church. This kind of preaching here today you're hearing is going to make you have to think real hard of coming back next week. <laughs> is they're going to think real hard coming back next week because if they come in and hear something good because they did something bad, they're like, I ain't going there because, you know, he be preaching that stuff that, Lord, I want to hear something good sometimes. This is good, Stace. This is good because, listen, here's some natural stuff again. If you, Jazzy, because you got your baby in your hand, if you don't discipline that baby when that baby get older, you ain't no good parent. If you always do what the baby wants, you ain't no good parent. Just saying. You know, I like to make sure I give it so we understand what I'm saying. Because sometimes you might think I'm saying crazy stuff. But the bottom line is, if we, if we always do what our children want, then we can't be good parents. So that way, understand this, God won't always have me to preach what makes you feel good. He won't be a good God. If he let me preach to you what make you feel good every time, he will not be a good God because then he will allow you to go astray and never correct you. He chastens them that he loves. And if you love your child, you're going to straighten them out too. So that's where we are this morning. But you got to think about it. What's the topic of my message this morning? God desires fellowship. And so God wants fellowship with you. So I am telling you what we have to begin to pay attention to so we can have right fellowship with God. God wants fellowship with you. And so do you want fellowship with him? Because you can't want fellowship with God on your terms. It doesn't work like that. And we'll see why it won't work like that. In Genesis that we read earlier, same chapter 3, verse 9, 
It said in 9, and the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself, and the Lord said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Adam knew the voice of the Lord. Unfortunately, he was not in the right frame of mind to have the proper response to God. God spoke to him. He responded back, but not with the proper response. We need to know the voice of God so we can have the proper response to the voice of God. The voice of God can come to us in many different ways. It can come to us audibly. It can come to us with an impressionable thought in our mind. The voice of God can come to us through the preaching of the word of God. The voice of God can come to us by reading the scriptures. No matter what way the voice of God come to us, we need to know it and have the proper response to the voice of God. Because I love you, let me give you just a couple of clues and hints and a couple of ways that is proper response to the voice of God. Because God is going to speak to some of you, and I want you to respond to him the right way. And you won't be able to tell God, I didn't know what to say, God. Here's what you can say to him. When you hear the voice of God, whether it's clear to you or you don't know or you know, but when you know this is something that's divine that's happening right here, I want you to respond like this. You can respond in many different ways, but here are four different ways you can respond. When you hear the voice of God, what will you have me to do, Jesus? That's what the Apostle Paul, great writer of the New Testament, when he got shook down by Jesus, that's what he said. What will you have me to do, Jesus? That's one response that's pretty good. Here's another response. Lord, I have sinned. Forgive me. Lord, I messed up. Forgive me. When you hear that voice, no sense of hiding anything from him. You can't hide anything from him. Here's another one. Lord, have mercy on me, please, Lord. I don't deserve any of your goodness. I don't deserve your kindness. I don't even deserve your love. But God, will you have mercy on me? Here's a response that helps. Here's another one. Lord, will you save me? I want to be saved. Lord, I don't want to be deceived at the end thinking that I'm saved and I'm not. That's a big one. I want to know how to be saved and to live saved, to stay saved. I don't want to be deceived, Lord. Will you save me? In all those response, God will continue to instruct you. But some of us, our response to God is, Lord, The Apostle Paul, we got we got we got the Apostle Paul response as great as Paul was. It was Paul response to the Lord. Lord, can you remove this thorn from me? He wanted comfort. Many of us, when we hear the voice of God, we want God to comfort us. But I just gave you some good ways of responding to God. Lord, what will you have me to do? David was given choices by God after things that went haywire and they messed up. And he got some choices. And one of the choices that he got was 
to fall in the hands of the angry God or to fall in the hands of your enemy. David said, give me the hands of the angry God. See a smart man with that no God? David knew I could beg for mercy from you. My enemies, they ain't giving no mercy. My enemies, they're going to destroy me, annihilate me, and do everything they can to me. So you're better off being with God even when he's upset with you than being anyplace else. God, what will you have me to do? It's going to be all right, whatever he tells you. God, have mercy on me. Lord, I've ignored you. I've sinned. I'm doing whatever I want. Lord, save me. These response to God will give God the opportunity to continue to guide you. Don't ask God for comfort when God visits you. Don't ask God for uh, fringe things and, 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 and for, you know, things that's just wants. I can go to heaven with sickness in my body. But I don't want to go to hell healthy and strong. You see what I'm saying? And so sometimes we think, man, I need good health and that's important. It all depends. If I want good health so I can serve the Lord, then that's important. But if I want good health just because I want good health, I want to be saved. I want to be saved. That's, that's what's important. I want to be saved. So, Lord, will you save me? Adam and Eve should have been running toward God, confessing their sin and asking for forgiveness. But instead, they were hiding from, well, so they think they were hiding from God. You have to come out of hiding for God to help you. Did you hear me? We have to come out of hiding for God to help us. Okay. Let me go further because you probably didn't get that. We know we cannot hide from God. But we must come out of hiding so God can help us. What does that mean, preacher? We can't hide from God. So what do you mean by coming out of hiding? Hiding from God is the position you have taken, not a place that you have gone to. Hiding from God is a position you have taken in your life, not a place you have gone to. Uh-huh. So when I say you got to come out of hiding if you want to get right with God, it means you got to come out from the position that you're in so you can get right with God. What does that mean? It means that position could be you have been denying God access to your heart. You've been denying God access to your mind. You've been denying God access to your life. And if you're doing that, you are hiding from God. You won't let God in your heart. You won't let God speak to your mind. You won't let God guide your life. It means you're hiding in plain sight. But you're hiding nevertheless. Because nobody can go any place where God can't see them. Nobody can go anywhere where God don't know. So wherever you are, God sees you. But you're hiding when you won't give the Lord thy God. Your creator, access to your heart, your mind, your life. We can't have fellowship with Jesus if we're hiding. Again, what is hiding? Not giving the Lord access to our heart, our mind, and our life. That's hiding. 
we hide from Jesus when we have sinned against Jesus. We then become disillusioned, confused, and deceived. We also experience guilt, shame, and fear. There is no way we can have right fellowship with a holy God in that way. So we're wondering why sometimes we're not getting some encounter with God or getting God to speak to us. But the bottom line is because God is holy. God is righteous and God is who he is. We can't get close to him in the state that we're in many times. And we can't even begin to have communion, fellowship in the state that we're in. Second Corinthians six and four says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship at righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion had light with darkness. So the bottom line is, God can't have fellowship with us if we're not yoked up with him. We can't be unequally yoked. God can't be holy and we be unholy and we have fellowship with him. God can't be righteous and we're unrighteous and we have fellowship with him. Mm -hmm. God can speak to you, but you won't have fellowship with him. God can heal you, but you won't have fellowship with him. This is why sometimes we got to be careful when we seek in God for miracles. Because you can experience miracles. You can experience hearing the voice of God and still not be right with God. Mm-hmm. Yes. We can have miracles done in our life. God can do a miraculous thing in our life. We get healed and still we still cannot be right with God. God can give us instructions and we don't do it. We still might not be right with God. God desires fellowship. First Corinthians one and nine says this. God is faithful. By whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. First John one and five says this. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So here is how that work. When we're not living right, we're in darkness. Darkness is confusion. Darkness is deception. See how it comes back around now? Now you understand? When we're not right with God, why we're confused, why we're disillusioned, why we're deceived. Because you can't function properly in darkness. If we say, reading sticks again, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness... We lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is the light. You see that? Did you catch that? The light. It didn't say if you walk in light. It says if you walk in the light, as he is the light, we have fellowship with him. So God is light. And in him, there's no variableness. God is light. In him, there is no darkness. So when darkness 
tries to come at God, the brightness just make the darkness disappear. So you can't have fellowship with God if you're in darkness. You will just disappear. You can have fellowship with Jesus if you want to have fellowship with Jesus. Adam and Eve could have had fellowship with Jesus and if they would have just did the right thing and stopped denying what was going on. They had fellowship for however long they were in the garden with God. Then they messed up. And when God called them, they didn't have to interrupt the fellowship. All they had to say is, Lord, we got to talk to you. They should have ran to him and said, Lord, we got to talk to you. But instead, sin deceives you. Sin makes you disillusioned. So even though I'm telling the right thing, that's because I'm in my right mind. But if I'm in their space like they were, I would have probably did the same. This is why we can't read the Bible and say, how could they have done that? If you were in sin, you would have did it too. So when you're deceived, you do the same thing. When you're in darkness, you do the same thing. When you're, when you're not living right, you do the same thing. We all do the same thing. Nobody is different. When we're not right with God, we're deceived, disillusioned. We are just in a mess. But we tell ourselves we're okay. Listen to me. Jesus Christ surrendering his life to be crucified on a cross broke the power of sin and separation and disfellowship and restored fellowship and provides forgiveness of sin. The new birth of being born again of the water and spirit provides remission, removal of sins and empowers you to overcome present and future sin. You can have fellowship with Christ. You can have right relationship with Christ. All we have to do is not do what Adam and Eve did because we can have fellowship with him because God desires fellowship with us. He does. He desires fellowship with us. Instead of us doing our own thing, God is saying, won't you do something with me? So let me explain to you what fellowship is so you don't get it twisted. Fellowship is sharing things you have in common with each other. Fellowship is sharing things you have in common with each other. When you are living in sin and darkness, you don't have anything in common with God. Because God cannot sin. There is no darkness in him. So you can't fellowship with him because you don't have anything in common. This is why sometimes when you're not in church and people are still going to church, your relationship kind of separates a little bit. Not because anybody's mad at anybody, but you don't have anything in common right now. It's not nobody trying to be mean. We will always fellowship no matter what. So, Tony... If you stop coming to church, whatever you're going to start doing, you're going to find some people that's like-minded as you doing the same thing because you have to develop a new fellowship. God desires fellowship, and one of the reasons why we're here and created in his image because he had to have things in common with us so we can have fellowship. 
So we will always fellowship one way or another because God needs fellowship or he wants fellowship. So he created us in the same way to want fellowship. So whether with God or unrighteous fellowship, we can't help ourselves. We're going to fellowship. Y'all quiet on me. If you like to, let me be nice. If you like to bake, Cheryl, and that's what you do a lot, then you're going to fellowship with somebody else that likes to bake. And y'all going to talk about flowers, the different kind of flowers, the different kind of icings. Y'all going to talk about that kind of stuff because y'all got a lot in common, and that's what you're going to talk to a lot. You like to watch football? I can't even touch that because, you know, we, we got some addicts in here, <laughs> me included. <laughs> I don't even want to go down the road. Don't even want to go talk about why Jerry, Jerry Jones not signing Dak. We're not going to talk about that right now. <laughs> we're not going to go to that right now. We're not going to go into why the Eagles got some rookie little boy coaching the team. We, we're not going to get into that right now. No. Nope. But we can fellowship if we all are into that. Because fellowship means we have the same things in common. So God talking to you don't mean you're fellowshipping with God. It means God just talked to you about something because he's trying to help you. Fellowship is when you and God is going back and forth, interacting and sharing. This is why worship is fellowship. Because you're giving him and he's giving you. There's exchange going on. Well, both parties are enjoying what's going on because you're giving and taking and you have the same things in common. That's what fellowship is all about. And so nobody wants to try to fellowship with somebody that don't understand them. That's not doing the same thing they're doing. Yeah, you don't understand. One of the worst things that happened, she ain't here this morning so I can really kill it. My wife. I don't know if Cheryl do this to you, Daryl. Cheryl do this to you? I'm watching the game. I'm going on. What's that, um, an extra point or a field goal? She just, she just slide in the game and try to ask you a question. Something way off. And I'm just like, and when she do that, all I do in my mind, Lord, help me to have the right response. Because she's just flying by trying to get something. And I'm like, sit down and watch the game and learn it and stop asking me these crazy questions. We can't fellowship about the game because you don't know. Don't tell her she don't know. I do know. You know I like Russell Wilson. Okay, you like Russell Wilson. Okay, you like Seattle's jersey and Russ, I guess he looked good. So, all right, yeah. but that don't have nothing to do with the game. So you can't tell her she don't know the game. Hey, what's the other guy that I used to like? Now, this this her guy that she like, but she can't tell you. And hey, what's the other guy that I used to like that you play on? Um, um. Then I says, um, I let her go. I, I say, Richard Sherman. Yeah, 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 Richard Sherman. I'm like, that's your guy. Why don't you know your guy? We can't fellowship if we don't have things in common. That's all I'm saying. And if we're going to have right relationship with Jesus, we've got to have a lot in common so we can have proper exchange. So don't think fellowship means I'm praying so I'm fellowshipping. 
Sometimes you're praying because you're trying to get instructions from God so you can get right with him, so you can have fellowship with him. So talking to God don't mean fellowship. It means I need instruction, so I'm asking him questions. I'm praying and seeking what he wants me to do, but it doesn't mean him and I have fellowship right now. Because not until I get right and start to practice the things that we have in common, that we could have in common, not until I start doing that will we have fellowship. Fellowship is the bond of common purpose and devotion that binds Christians together and to Christ. Fellowship is binding or joining together. Fellowship is twofold. Fellowship with Christ. And fellowship with the saints of God, because we're all supposed to have the same things in common. Remember in the book of Acts, they had things in common. They sold their goods and parted them to each man that had need. We're not going out and y'all will never say amen to that. I'm just saying, I'm just showing you an example of what fellowship is. Fellowship is having all things common so you can be able to exchange with one another because you have the same things in common. I am closing here. God wants to have fellowship with you. The question is, do you want to have fellowship with him? Do you want to have fellowship with God? Listen to this. I have heard it said that the reason why many people don't want to have fellowship with God is because he get all up in your business. People stay away from God because they know. go I don't have time I got to get out of here but you know how deep this one is that people stay away from God because they feel like he get all up in their business so they just like ah you know how some people you know how some people be like you too much we kind of like Jesus then we kind of like Jesus when y'all call us too much because we can't do it just a little bit is either we in it or we not. And so the bottom line is, when Jesus wants to have fellowship with you, just know he's going to be all up in your business. How can you say that, preacher? I always got scripture. You know, when you hear this guy talk about the word of God, you will never see me going someplace where I can't come out of because it's all God's word. So how can you say he'd be all up in your business? Who remember the woman at the well? She was just catching some water to take back to the village. Jesus on the well. Hey, you want to give me some of that too? That's where he started out. Before you know it, he telling her, you got five husbands. And the one you're living with, he ain't even your husband. All up in her business. Telling her all about her life. She ain't asked for that. Start telling her all this stuff. Job, living the good life. Rich, got a lot of kids, a lot of cattle, just living on a high hog, just good. Have you considered my servant Job? Man, Lord, I ain't tell you to put my name out there like that. Too bad. How about Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus only wanted to see Jesus. Let me look and see. Oh, I can't see. Let me climb up in the tree. He climbs up in the tree. 
Jesus stopped and said, yo, Zach, come on down. Hey, I'm going to come to your crib today. Is that all right? I don't even know if that's it. I don't know if Jesus said that. <laughs> now I'm throwing that in there. I don't know if that's a word. Did Jesus ask him, is it all right to come to your house or not? I guess Jesus just understood that if you wanted to see me that bad, I'll just come to your house and you can see me that bad. I, I don't know, but I don't remember Jesus saying, is that all right? Jesus said, I'm coming to your house today. And Zach said, come on, baby. Before you know it, they eating. And Zach saying, Lord, I messed up. I, I took money from people that I should have never took money from. I'm just going to give them back their money and give them that fourfold. I'm sorry. I, I got to get it right. Jesus got all up in Zacchaeus' business. And now Zacchaeus was rich before he met Jesus. Now Zacchaeus poor. Because Jesus get all up in your business. And that's why so many of us don't want to know and have right relationship with him. Because he's going to be all up in your business. And he's not having it no other way. Either he's going to be in the business or he won't have no relationship at all. And Adam and Eve, he was all up in their business. Who told you you was naked? Because I didn't tell you you were naked. He want to know everything. Jesus, Jesus want to know everything. Not because he don't know everything, but he want you to say everything. He'd be all up in your business. If we want to tell the truth, that might be why a lot of us ain't living for Jesus. Because we probably didn't articulate it like that. But we understood it like that. Man, I got to do all of that. Yeah, you got to do all of that. Because that's what relationship is all about. Relationship don't get you off the hook easy. Relationship is all in or nothing. Relationship is all in or nothing. It ain't no being on the fringes. It ain't no just doing a little of this and a little. Relationship is you all in. I was talking to some people the other day. And they started telling me some challenges that they were having. And trying to help them and everything like that. And hear what I dropped on them and told them. I said, let me tell you what one of the problems is. I got to be honest because I'm a preacher. So, you, you know, I can't tell you no different. I said, I only read about two kinds of relationship in the Bible. When it comes down to man and woman. Other than brothers and sisters. Either you're engaged to get married or you're married. Those are two kinds of relationship I read in the Bible. And the reason why that's important. Here's why it's important. It's important because relationship is all or nothing. And being girlfriend and boyfriend, you can't give all. You won't give all. Being boyfriend and girlfriend, you ain't giving all. And there's always going to be stuff you're fussing and fighting about. Because why? In the back of your mind, you ain't married to me. I ain't married to you. Uh, tell the preacher now. Tell the preacher telling the truth now. Now y'all scared. I'm just telling you the truth. You cannot be expecting all from people when you ain't married. And you better not get mad. Because the answer is, you going to marry me or what? If you ain't going to marry me, then we ain't got to have a headache dealing with all of this stuff. Because you ain't going to tell me what to do, and I ain't going to tell you what to do, and I ain't going to be stressing over stuff I ain't shouldn't be stressing about, because guess what? We ain't married. You can go anytime you want, and I can go anytime I want. Why would we do all of this investing? So, so... We're trying to do a good thing in being in a relationship, but we're still not doing the right thing. Because Jesus 
thing is all or nothing. And you only can do that when you are in a real relationship, whether it's husband and wife, father and children, mother and children, sibling. Those relationships saying, I give it all. It's hard to give all when that obligation of we are supposed to give all is not there. Because after a while we get mad, we start saying, please, you ain't mad at me anyway. Leave me alone. Cheryl, you laughing. Am I telling the truth, Cheryl? Also, I'm going to say this while I get out of here. I told the, 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 the couple that I was talking to, I said, bro, I know you think she your boo. It's all in. But I'm going to tell you this. No matter how tight you want her gut are, when you get married, it changes. These women know when they married and when they not. You can be an idiot man if you want. The man can be an idiot all he wants. Oh, we, whatever, dude. He listen to this preacher. Women know when they married and when they not. I don't care if you give her the biggest rock and treat her like royalty. If you ain't married, she knows that. And she different. And that day, the preacher says, I now pronounce you man and wife. You may kiss the bride. Oh, it changed. She knows. Let's stand. She knows. She knows. So you can keep thinking that, oh, it's, it's, it's okay. You know, we're, no, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. She ain't resting easy. She know how to go with the flow for now. But until you say I do, I pronounce you husband and wife, she knows. Uh-huh. And all her work before that time is to try to get you to, I do. And once she gets you to say I do, then she's going to show you the real true who she is. So you better love that woman before you get married because she's going to show you who she is and you can't get away that time. I'm scaring you, Rosalie. I'm not scared of Rosalie. I'm helping them. And I'm helping you. So when you get connected, you know what you got into. I told some people, the other, I always tell this story. I said, when I got married, we had the two kids. They were young. And when my wife was coming down the aisle, brides are just beautiful naturally. I looked, yeah, nice, beautiful bride. <laughs> then I look over at Brother D., and I saw Nasir and Richard in their little tux. And I looked at the preacher and I looked around. And all I said was, this is now your responsibility. You better have a roof over their head. You better make sure they eat. You better make sure the kids go to school. You better make sure they get taken care of. This is what's going on in my mind when she's coming down the aisle. Here comes the bride. I'm like, <laughs> they, they, they playing all this stuff. Here comes the bride. And I'm like, okay, Lord. Okay. Okay. Okay, because all I'm thinking about is making sure I take care of them. So I'm only telling the brothers what's right because, brothers, when we get into this, you got to take care of them. I'm sorry. You just got to take care of them. Ain't no getting out of just, just, Just take care of them. Just take care of them. Don't even worry about it. If you built the way God built you, 
You get happiness, son. You get happiness out of seeing your family happy. Oh, man. I don't know if that's old talk or what, but I just know that's just way it is. D, that's not old talk, is it, D? You get happy by making, with seeing your family happy, right? Like, as a man, that's what you get happiness out of. You're not worried about all this other stuff. You're, like, looking around, and you just see your family. They doing all right, and you're like, all right. They doing all right. That's it. And that's how God wants to be with us. He, he wants us to just have right relationship with him so he can take care of us the right way. So we're not straying. He wants to take care of us. Revelation chapter 3, verse number 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. God is knocking on the door of your heart. Because God wants to have fellowship with you. He just don't want to tell you stuff. He don't want to be this slave driving daddy. He wants to have real fellowship and relationship with his children. But you can't have that if you are doing one thing and it's different from him. It can't be if you in darkness and he's light. We have to get on the same page with him if we're going to have fellowship with him. Jesus is knocking at your door, church. Are you going to have real fellowship with him or you're just going to be standoffish, just telling him to help you, bless you, do this for you, do that for you? Or are you going to have real fellowship with him for the next few moments before we leave? If you will just trust the Lord this morning, I believe God wants to give us all a divine visitation. If we will just allow him to bring us closer to him, because that's what he wants to do. If we will just humble ourselves, surrender, and just talk to God. And when you sense his presence, don't, 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 don't lock up on him. When you sense his presence, open up your heart. One of the ways to keep yourself open when you sense God is just open, lift your hands like this. Lifting our hands means we're surrendering to God. So when you begin to sense his presence, when you begin to feel like God is drawing you, just humble yourself and surrender to him that he can bring you in close. That's all he's trying to do. He wants to have fellowship with you. Will you allow him to have fellowship with you? Because that's what's going to take us into eternity to give us eternal life is our fellowship with him. God doing miracles in your life don't guarantee you heaven. God telling you something don't guarantee you heaven. It's when you get into such relationship with him that you can just have fellowship with him. That's when you know you're going to heaven. Because the position that you're now in allow you to be in him and where he is there will you be also where he is there will you be also so if you are in him and you have fellowship with him wherever he is there will you be also let's lift our hands and thank the lord today let's lift our hands and surrender to him and just ask him to draw us that we will have fellowship with him that we're able to just begin to commune with him like we've never communed with him before. Why don't you let God have his way this morning that you will never be the same. Give him access to your life. 
Let him speak to your mind. Let your mind be free and clear so God can speak to you. Let the word that you've heard today begin to saturate your heart and mind. Let God do what he wants to do because what he wants is fellowship with you. What he wants is to be close to you. What he wants is for you and him to have right relationship. Will you begin to minister to the Lord? Because your worship to him is your fellowship. Your worship to him is your fellowship. Let him have his way. Let him do what he wants to do. Let him do. Oh, hallelujah. Let the Lord have his way. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, church. Let God have his way. Let God do what he wants to do. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. God, show us what we must do to have fellowship with you. Show us, Lord, the things we ought to do so we can have fellowship with you. Save our soul. Save our soul. Save our soul. Save our soul, Lord God. Will you be merciful to us, great God, that we can have sweet fellowship and communion with you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
Let's just thank the Lord for all His goodness. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father God, we love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, to have a sweet communion with you, Lord God. You desire fellowship with us, O oh God. We want to suck with you, Lord God. We want to be with you in everything that we do, Lord God. Father God, as we leave this place, Lord God, we ask you, Lord God, that you will dismiss us from this place, but never from your presence, Lord God. Help us to have fellowship with you, one with another, Lord God. Seconds by seconds, day by day, minutes by minutes, hour by hour. Help us to have fellowship with you, Lord God. We ask you to protect us and keep us, Lord God. Let your hands be upon us, O God. And help us to continue to serve you with all our hearts and our minds, O God. We give you glory and all the honor. We thank you for your blessings. Go with us, O God. And bring us back when it's time for us to gather together. Thursday night, Saturday afternoon, and back Sunday morning. We love you. We come with ourselves to you. Bless every family that is in this place today, Lord God. Those that are watching us. Oh God, our online congregation. Bless them and keep them, oh God. We ask you to continue to help us to draw nigh unto thee. As we give you glory and honor in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his light shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Go in peace. Have fellowship with the Lord. We love you. God bless you. Continue to serve the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen.